Ah, good morning, family. How are y'all doing? Oh, a little sleepy. It's okay. It's all right. I uh, I just got back from um, a couple weeks, a uh, week and a half, in in Brazil, where I was ministering at a couple churches, a couple houses of prayer, and uh, two different conferences. But I wanted to give it just a, a, a quick report. Um, there's something happening in the nation of Brazil. I want to encourage you to keep your eye on it. There is something dramatic stirring in that nation, and I'll just, I'll just tell you how I know that. I mean, I know it by the Spirit, because when you're there, you feel something atmospherically, like there is a hunger and a passion that's really unusual. But uh, the, the week that I was there, they, uh, they had a March for Jesus. How many remember March for Jesus back in the day? It, do you remember that? We, four people, okay. Well, let me tell you what it was. <clears throat> there used to be this ministry called March for Jesus in the 90s, and we would go into the streets, and they did it all over the nation and the nations of the, of the world. Many, many nations did this. And different cities would gather, and they would have a praise march uh, right in the streets. And they would serve uh, people, do different kind of outreach through it. And it was just one day a year where the church global would come together and, and just worship the Lord publicly. Well, they still do that in Brazil. And literally, the week that I was there, they had a march for Jesus and 8 million believers gathered in the streets to worship Jesus all across their nation. And it's a nation of, of 200 million. I mean, that is a huge number. And, um, and so while I was there, I was preaching, you know, calling people to, to revival and prayer and fasting and seeking the Lord. And so we had a, 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 an event in um, February here in Orlando, in the United States is here. It was in Orlando called The Send. And I remember I was, you know, asked to help, help mobilize for that. And, and so many were mobilizing for this event that took place in Orlando. And we worked for an entire year. And, and through all these mobilization efforts, so many different ministries, we, we got to about 60,000 people after a year of really just praying and going for it and calling people to it. Well, they, they announced while I was in Brazil, they announced they were going to do The Send next year. And in five hours, they sold out 65,000 tickets. What took us a year to get 60,000, they got it in five hours. And then in 12 more hours, they had 60,000 on a waiting list. So within 24 hours, they've now, got, they've now gotten a second stadium and they've, they're, they're gonna have two stadiums calling people to fasting prayer and taking the gospel to the nations. And it only took them 17 hours to do that. What I'm telling you is there is something sparked in the atmosphere in the nation. Doesn't matter what city you're in, there's something atmospheric going on there. And I believe we're going to see revival in that nation. I think it's right on the verge. And so I would encourage you, keep your eye on it and pray for it. Let's sow into something like that and let's believe God to reap it back here. Amen. 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 All right, cool. So uh, I want to preach this morning on the new creation. I want to preach on our identity in Christ. And, and I want to tell you that this topic of our identity, it is really on my heart right now. I'm convinced that the issue of identity is probably the premier battleground of this generation. It's the central battleground that we have to continue to just 
speak over and over and over the truth of it. And the reason why, uh, it's because the, the power of it when you're in Christ and you know your identity is, is amazing. So the enemy is releasing an onslaught against that. And that's why we have so much, I'll just call it identity confusion in, our, in this generation. How I many you know what I'm talking about? And so um, I wanna, I, I'm probably going to be hitting this topic over and over and over a bunch of different ways. And today I wanna talk about just who we are as a new creation, what uh, some of the components of the new birth entail. I wanna call us into this, into this life and into this reality, amen. So I wanna pray and then we'll ask uh, the Lord to release revelation on the word. So Lord, here we are again. I wanna ask you right now, let's just set our hearts on the Lord right now. Let's just not go through another service just to do a service. So Lord, here we are right now, and we set our hearts on you. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, release the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Release it in this room, even right now. Open our understanding and release light. Release truth. Release revelation. And God, I pray, call us in to, to the, the greater life that's in Christ, to the new life that's in Christ. Call, call us in to that place of what it means to be a, 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 a place, a person where you've made your abode, a carrier of the Holy Spirit. Enlighten our understanding to comprehend what this is that you've done in the cross and in the new birth. Right now, take our minds captive all across this room and direct our attention and focus on you. And every distracting thing, bring it right now into obedience to Christ. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your blood. We thank you for the truth of your word. Release revelation on it. Help me to speak as an oracle, I pray. Hold my hand this morning. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen, amen. All right, let's, uh, let's take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For some of you, this will be very familiar. For some of you, this might be brand new. We're just going to work through this. I would encourage you if, you've, if you've been in Christ a long time, you've been saved a long time, you've been a Christian for a while, I want you to, I want you to approach these verses with a, with a new heart right now, a, a fresh heart. I'm convinced whenever we approach a biblical topic with the idea that I already know that one, we probably do not know it. Like that's just a, a sure sign you don't know it because truth is eternal, it's infinite. And so there's no way you've gotten your mind around infinite truth, eternal truth. We're finite and there's always grander and greater measures of revelation the Lord wants to release to us. And so uh, if that thing is on you in any way, like, oh, I already got that one, 2 Corinthians 5, I memorized that, like, the first week I got saved, and I just kind of know that. No, just go ahead and just forget that, and then just, let's go ahead and just re-engage freshly with the Word. I was reading this passage this week, along with Romans 6, and I was blown away about how it was jumping off the page at me. And I know it's what the Lord is breathing on right now. He wants to call us into the truth of our identity in Him. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, let's look at this, verse 14. <clears throat> I love these passages. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. That phrase, 
if one died for all, then all died. What an, what an amazing thought. I'm gonna walk through it in just a second. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Can we all say new creation? Let's all the rest of us say new creation. New creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, voila. All things have become new. All things have become new. I remember when I was a teenager, I went to a, um, a Christian club. Uh, it was one of these deals that he did after the uh, football game on like a Friday night. And I remember the, the, one of the coaches was there and he was gonna, he was gonna give a talk. And, and to be quite honest, I, I went there because the girls were going there. And so I uh, went to the, the deal, and they had this big bonfire, and we were out in the field, and there was like hundreds of us there. And I was like, okay, this is a cool spot to be at. And then I remember this coach got up, and I'm thinking, man, if this guy would just hurry up, I want to, you know, just mingle and mix in here. But he was going to give like a 15-minute talk, and he does, and he gets up, and he starts talking about Jesus. It was a Christian club. I didn't know what I had gone to. I heard there was going to be a bonfire and girls. And so he gets up, and he starts talking about Jesus. Now, what was interesting was this same coach was the coach that I'd had in PE class, and I heard him cuss on a regular basis. But now, on that Friday night, he was the guy that was going to tell us about Jesus. And he got up, and he began to talk about the cross. It was kind of a story I understood. Jesus Christ died to save you from your sin. I think in the Bible Belt, everybody's heard that somewhere, sometime, or you drove by a billboard that said it. And so that message becomes sort of cliche, Jesus Christ died on the cross to save you from your sin. I'm like, okay, that's good information. I'm saved from my sin because he died. And then I remember he said it like this. He said, all you have to do is ask him into your heart. And I'll never forget this. He said, and you're in like Flynn. That's the phrase he said. You'll be in like Flynn. I don't know who Flynn is, but I want to get in. So all I've got to do, all I've got to do is pray a simple prayer, and I'm in like Flynn. And I'm sitting there listening to this. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm 15 or something. I'm listening to this. And literally, in my 15-year-old mind, in my challenging personality, I said, I said out loud, I know that's not true. That's what I said. I know that's not true. I know that there's got to be more than I just tip my cap to God and somehow I can do whatever I want and I'm in like Flint. I know that's not real. But, but so often, and I'll just be bold with this, so often it, the church in our zeal to, to save souls, 
We've offered a gospel that's absolutely incomplete and absolutely inadequate. And what we've actually done is we've called people to pray a simple prayer and ask Jesus into their heart. And what we've actually done is created a bunch of false converts. You could have said, hey, Ben, right? That was a really, I mean, I just... You gotta, you gotta know something. I'm coming from this time of, in Brazil, and Brazilians are like some sort of praise mix between like, like Mexicans and like Ugandans. I mean, they are like intense. And so, uh, you guys, anyway, okay, I love you. I do. Amen. No, I, I have this one video I took, I just funny. I said, and I got up after, I said, this reminded me of a UFC fight in a uh, aerobics gym. Their, their worship was so intense. All right, so here's the thing. Because we've preached an incomplete gospel, we actually don't, we, we haven't called people to an appropriate faith. And because we've not called them to an appropriate faith, people have not experienced the new birth. They have not experienced it. Now, I want to look again at this passage, and I want us to just kind of forge through these, these, these verses a little bit so we can understand what happened in the cross and what is to happen in our own hearts so that new creation can happen. Okay? We don't work for new creation. Let me just be really, really, really clear. We don't work for it. But there is a requisite of faith that has to be in place for new creation to take root in us. All right, now watch this. It says that one died for all, then all died. I'm trying to, I remember for years looking at that phrase, trying to understand what is he talking about? He died for me to pay for my sin but the Bible is clear. He says that in Christ's crucifixion, I died. Huh. What's he saying? He's saying that in Jesus' payment by his own death, he was actually counting it as me getting on the cross. He did it for me, but in that one died for all, all died. I, along with Jesus, am on that cross. Now, here's the thing. If you don't think you need to get on the cross, that's nonsense to you. So what we tend to do is we offer, offer people a gospel that says, come to Jesus. He has a wonderful plan for your life. You're going to be filled with joy, peace, and happiness and they lived happily ever after, amen, for liberty and justice for all. I mean, it's just like, it's this cliche that actually doesn't even accord with biblical truth. Here's the truth. Every person is bound in sin. Every individual is bound in sin. Every person. We are all consigned under sin, and in sin, we are all dead. Uh, Paul uses this phrase in, in the New Testament. He says, being alive, walking uh, as a person who's physically alive, we are dead. 
living but dead. That's the status of every single human being outside of Jesus. Hear me, sin, it kills and it kills completely. One sin comprehensively has slain, spiritually speaking, the entirety of the human race. How diabolical and dirty and and, and, and destructive is sin? See, we can get in this religious place and just sort of of self-justify and excuse ourselves. Sin's not so bad, it's not such a big deal. I mean, you know, grace. No, sin is, is deathly and destructive to the uttermost, okay? which required, it's it's so comprehensively wicked and evil, it required God in the flesh to actually die in order to pay for it. I mean, this is significant. And in his death, in his death, he is dying for all, and if you're willing to accept it, you died. That death of Jesus on the cross was your death. It was your death. Now, if you'll sit there and tell me, I don't think I needed to die, then you're going to have a real hard time accepting what the cross did. Do you see what I'm saying? If you come to Christ going, I just want to get a little bit of life, I want my business blessed, you know, I want some positive outcomes, but I'm not trying to die. I kind of like my life. There's a lot of good things about me. A lot of positivity that I've brought the world. I'm, I got something going on, you know what I mean? Like, if you, if you come to Christ with that as your mentality, that you have, you have all sorts of positive, good things going on with you and that you don't need to die, it's really hard to come to Christ who says, I died to actually save you because you needed to die. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? It's just rare that I've heard an altar call where the guy says, if you want to give your life to Jesus, to die, come forward. Almost nobody's answering that altar call. And that's what I mean by we've preached an insufficient gospel, we've called people to an inadequate faith, and therefore we've birthed forth counterfeit conversion. So in that If one died for all, then all died. I'm telling you something. There is a necessary death that Billy Humphrey had to go, undergo in order to step into newness of life. Now, here's what we try to do. We try to bring along the old man and get the new man. That does not work. The old man is corrupting and it corrupts you. Your old man must die. Now, we understand that sin causes us to die, but do you understand that that dead man has to be crucified now? The dead man that you are in sin has to go on the cross with Jesus. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about here. He said that he died for all, therefore all have died in Christ Your old man is dead on the cross. Praise God. Because if I try to live through my old man, it's horrible. It's an absolute train wreck. I already know what I've made of my life. I've made of my life an 
absolute mess, an absolute train wreck. I have nothing good in myself. I have nothing to offer. I am nothing without him. My old man had to die. This is the beauty of the cross, is that Jesus Christ in the cross, he dies a death that I needed to die in order to bring me into his life. Man, what a powerful thought. So if one died for all, then all died. You died on the cross. You died on the cross. If you accept it, you died on the cross. And then it says, he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. This is critical to the Christian faith. Jesus Christ did not get crucified on the cross and bring your body of death with him to be crucified and die so that you could now continue to live for yourself. Hear me, beloved. Hear me. Hear me. There's no, there's no version of salvation in which you can receive the benefit of the cross and still stay in charge of your life. Do you hear me? That, that's not Christianity. There's not pray a simple prayer and you got fire insurance. There, there's no in like Flynn because you quote unquote ask Jesus into your heart. Do you know the Bible never says ask Jesus into your heart? It never says that. It says he died for you that you should no longer live for you. but that you should live for him. You see, when you come to Jesus, you have to come and say, I deserved to die. And you died for me. And when you were put on the cross, that was me being put on the cross. And now you're going to give me something that's gonna enable me to live? He goes, oh yeah, I'm gonna make you brand new. See, in that understanding of the cross and of who we are now, man, there is a complete shift that should happen in the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we, that we focus our life. If, if you've come into Christ, you've said yes to the virtue and the benefit of the cross, and you are still living for your own ambition, I want to call you back to the cross. I want to call you back to the, just the central idea of the cross that he died for you, not so that you would live for yourself, but for him who died for you. This is Christianity 101. And there's so much in this generation, and I'm this generation, I mean, these people that are alive on the earth right now from zero to 120, there's so much in this generation about your dream, your calling, your plan, your vision, and I want to tell you something, in Christ, none of those things are pertinent. They are not germane to the issue of the kingdom of God. What is pertinent is the hope of his calling, called according to his purpose, and that we no longer live for our own glory, but for the praise of him who died for us and was risen again. What would happen in the church across the nation if every single person who said that they believe in Jesus truly was no longer living for themselves? 
what would happen? This is, it would be, these guys are going revival. I'm like, that is the central message of the gospel. That God became a man. God took upon himself the sin of all humanity. He, 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 he was brutalized, beaten, bloodied on the cross. And in him dying, you died. If you accept it, you died. Which means this, that whoever I was before I said to Jesus, that guy is dead. That guy has no rights over my life. That guy has no ambitions over my life. His habits, his thoughts, his way of living has no, it has no right to influence and impact where I'm going. There is one who has the right over me now. It's him who paid for me with his blood. Because when I died at the cross and I said yes to that, something, I mean, dynamic happened to me. And here's what it is. It's what Jesus described. He says, my father and I will come and make our home in you. This is a shock. This is the shock of all shocks. Listen, Christianity is not a list of rules and do's and don'ts that you try to follow helplessly. That's not what this is. It's not a system of belief that you try to, you know, align your life with. That is not Christianity. Christianity is this. The Son of God, bloodied, beaten, bruised, and destroyed on the cross, took your shame and your pain, and you died with him. You died with him, and then the Son of God raised from the dead, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, the the virtue and the life of the Father and the Son came inside of you, so you don't have to be what you were before. This is the gospel. And here's what I'm realizing. We live so far short of this truth. You have a, a... a component of your being called your spirit. You are a spirit, soul, body person. You're a human being, and one of the components, if I can say it that way, of who you are is a spirit. When you said yes to sin as a two-year-old, the first time you understood, don't touch that, and you went, touch, first time you did rebellion, your spirit died. I mean, you, you are dead in sin. And so from that place forward, sin dominating your life, living completely under the slavery of what sin is, sin holding you captive. And Jesus, he invites you, he says, come out of the slavery and the death. Come out of that and come into me. Come out of that and, and come into life. Come into newness. And so when we come to the cross, and we step into the newness, God coming into us, your spirit is then animated with God. It comes alive. Your spirit was dead, and then it comes alive. And so when we talk about this concept, new birth, new creation, he's talking about your spirit coming alive on the inside of you. And if you're in Christ, this is so, it's just, it's so, I mean, infinite in the wonder of it. If you're in Christ, Christ is in you. If you're in Christ, the Father 
and the Son are in you by the Spirit. You're walking around with a galactic nuclear inferno of glory, fire, power, love, wonder, and marble right in there. <laughs> you are a spiritual nuclear reactor. <laughs> and that truth of God inside of you is to permeate every part of your being. It's to cause your mind, your will, and your emotions to come under the lordship and the beauty and the wonder and the goodness, the kindness, the graces of our God and King. And, and here's what I believe. The reason why the church lives largely untransformed is because we've had an inadequate faith and a bunch of false conversions and then secondly, when we have come and we have died and we have invited Christ to come and live inside of us, Jesus living in us by the Holy Spirit, when we've actually had new birth happen, we have lived completely in unbelief as to the truth of our current status. You have a galactic inferno inside of you of infinite power, wonder, and glory. Just think that through for a minute. What, okay, if you had a stick of dynamite in your pocket, how would you conduct yourself? Like, I'm explosive. Like, I could blow up any moment. No, no, don't turn the heat on in the car. Leave the AC on. I just, I don't want any spontaneous combustion happening. Right? If, if you just had a, a very small explosive like dynamite, you would have a sense of awe about the power, right, that, was going, that, that you're carrying. What you have in you is a billion times a billion times a billion to the billionth infinite power dynamite inside you. This is what you are. You are nuclear. That's new creation. That's being born again. That's the new birth. God is inside of you. God is inside of you. When he says, you have become a new creation, all the old things have passed away, he's talking about the person you were before Christ, that what was in your spirit, that dead man that was dictating everything to your flesh and to your mind and to your emotions, that is completely gone. You're not still walking around with the dead man. You are alive on the inside. Man, and we were just even praying before this service and I was just saying that truth out loud. I was just going, oh, thank you, God, I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm alive on the inside. And see, if we begin to actually believe what is the, the current status and the reality of our spirit, we would not believe in the, the power of strongholds to bind us. Just listen. If we really believed what was happening inside of us, the truth of the new, new creation, we would not have any faith and the ability of anything before that new birth happened to us to actually impact us. 
Most, when we do inner healing on people and, and when we do deliverance, most of the time, all we're doing that with them is bringing them into the truth of their new creation and helping them to believe that what they have now in Jesus is, is transcendent. It supersedes anything that happened to them before. That, that, that's virtually all we're doing. It's just, we're just teaching people what the new creation does. It transforms you. It changes you from the inside out. That's why any version of Christianity that attacks the outside first and tries to demand you to do things on the outside to sort of measure up to God is a completely false version. Did you hear? I don't know if y'all heard that. Any version of Christianity that tries to get us to firstly attack what's on the outside so that we can then measure up to God is a false version because he doesn't come at the outside first. He puts a nuclear reactor of glory on the inside of you that then is supposed to transcend your whole being and transform the way you think, feel, the way you talk, the way you, you perceive everything. That's when new birth has taken place. When, when, you, when you come to Christ, this is a critical thought. If you come in and you're holding on to the old stuff, you can't get new life with one hand while you're holding old life with the other. It doesn't work. You have to let the old man go and accept the new. This is coming to Jesus. This is getting born again. This is what the new creation is. And I'm telling you, for some of us, I'm just gonna be really bold. For some of us, we need to have a new creation experience. We actually need to come into Christ. We actually need to go ahead and say, I'm not going to be the old person anymore. That guy is going on the cross with Jesus and I am coming into Christ and Jesus Christ will be my life. See, that's when it actually worked for me. That's when it clicked for me. I remember somebody finally explaining to me what it meant that Jesus would be my Lord. Because we live in the Bible Belt and all I'd ever heard was Savior. Let me just tell you something. He can't save you unless you make him Lord. He can't save you unless you make him Lord. It's like you're asking someone else's boss at their job to pay you. No, no, just think that through. You can't go to work at McDonald's and then ask the, the Taco Bell to send you a paycheck. But that's what we try to do when we come into Christ stay the Lord of our life, but we want the virtue of the cross without actually making him our life, without making him our boss, so to speak. I remember the first time I heard that, I mean, it was like all the light bulbs went on. Oh man, maybe I'm struggling with sin because I'm still Lord. Oh, maybe the biggest issue here is I haven't given up me. I haven't given up my dreams. I haven't given up my hopes, my ambitions. I haven't given up my plan and my path. I haven't given up me. I still have me. I have me on the center, me on the throne. I have me as the victor instead of Jesus as the victor. I remember for years, I had gotten on these teachings about purpose and, and vision. 
And every year you're supposed to write out a vision statement. And I don't think goals are a bad thing. I think you should write out goals as long as they're God-directed. But, but I would write out a vision statement every single year. And after about 10 years of that, there was one thing that all my vision statements had in common. I was the hero of the vision. And I remember honestly taking those vision statements and putting them before God and going, God, what do you think about this? He goes, I don't care about any of those 10 things on your list. I actually want you to be more humble and learn how to love. I was like, well, but I'm going to take the kingdom for you, God, me and you. I'm the answer to the kingdom of God coming in this region, God. He goes, yeah, I need you to be more humble and learn how to love your wife. Why don't you let the kingdom come in your mouth? So you don't say stuff that you shouldn't. Why don't you let the kingdom come in your mind? So you don't think about stuff the way you shouldn't. So you don't think about yourself in a way that you shouldn't. You don't think about others. You don't judge internally. The thing about outside in Christianity is we can clean it up on the outside and we're still full of of dead man's bones. You can be full of hatred, anger, judgments, all sorts of junk on the inside, but you got that Christianese. Glory to God, praise God, hallelujah, amen. And you vote Republican, so you've got to be saved. It's not real. It's not real, beloved. Jesus is not a Republican. That that went over awesome. God is not into democracy. He's into theocracy. He's God. We're not. We all bow the knee. Philippians 2 is really clear. Every knee will bow to Jesus. That's theocracy. God in charge. We call, the church should be living as an authority of the kingdom of God, calling these lower authorities like political parties to account to the kingdom, that they should be accountable to the kingdom. But because the church has allowed the political parties to so sway them and so color them, it looks like the political parties push the church around, and that's not the kingdom. All right, I'm on a side thing. I want us to have new birth. I want to live in my new birth. I want to live in my new creation. I want to live with the expression of the glory of God controlling and compelling every every action, every decision, every the way that I perceive uh, reality in other people, I want that to be the expression. And so when we see verses about the renewing of the mind, it's talking about having the glory that's inside of you by the person of the Holy Spirit mixed with the word of God to transform what takes place up here, which will transform the way you think and feel and the way you act. It's about that inner transformation that expresses itself on the outside. Am I making sense? You know what I realized? You can't get transformed in your mind and your will and your emotions if the news feed on your social media is the number one thing you're filling your mind with. You have to be filled with the word of God mixed by Holy Spirit revelation to change the way you think, which will then change the way you feel. I don't have to know what you do all the time. All I got to do is watch what you talk about, and what you talk about is what you fill your mind with, because out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. 
And that's what's transforming the way you think and feel and act. Here's what, I, here's what I'm jealous for, is that the bride would come into the rec- recognition of her new birth and that the new creation on the inside of her would then begin to manifest through her mouth, through her mind, through her emotions, and she would begin to look like a comparable b- bride for the Lord Jesus Christ. Am I making sense? We can't get there through Instagram photos and Facebook feeds. You guys are like, man, bro, what's your deal? My deal is I love you. My deal is I love you, and I don't want us to live apart from what he says we are. Let's look at this, Romans 6. I mean, I'm in my introduction. We'll be working on this. Romans 6. I, I memorized Romans 6 when I was a new believer because my mind was so messed up with worldly stuff. And, and I was, I mean, I had been in drugs and all this mess. I could not control my mind. So I started memorizing chapters of the Bible to just try to saturate my mind with the word so that this new life that he said I had, so that, so that it would begin to possess me. And Romans 6 was one of those very first ones because it was explaining to me how to come out of death and step into life, how to come out of the old man and step into the new man. And so let's just read through this and I'll make some comments and then we'll close. Verse one, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ, immersed into Christ, were baptized into his death? When you came into Christ, you came into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. You see that? You come to Jesus, you go right into his death. He died on the cross and you died too. And he was raised from the dead, so you are raised from the dead. This is glorious. This is glorious. See, at the, at the core of this is this, this wondrous truth, I can't save myself, but he did. I can't fix me, but he did. I can't raise myself, but he did. That we should too walk in newness of life. Verse five, if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, Certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. Our old man was crucified with him. Let me tell you something. That drug addict, rebellious, lying, thieving, drunk, perverted guy that I was, he died on the cross with Jesus. And whatever you were died with Jesus. That's the beauty of this thing, man. 
This is what new life is about. That, that was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. I can clearly remember when there was this desire in me to try to do better, but I couldn't. And the reason why was I was enslaved to sin. I was enslaved to it. I couldn't make myself love. I couldn't make myself forgive. I couldn't make myself care and be gentle and serve and bless. I couldn't. And then I died with Christ. I gave him my life. I surrendered everything to him. And all of a sudden, I found that deep in there, there was a power that I did not have before to control my appetites to control my actions. It didn't mean all the appetites went away. I needed to renew my mind. That was a, a long process and it continues to happen for me. But all of a sudden I had power on the inside to say no to sin. I was no longer its slave. I was transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And I could say to Satan and to sin, you don't own me anymore. Jesus owns me. This is new birth. This is new life. This is new creation. And that nuclear power plant of the Holy Spirit on the inside of me with infinite glory and grace enabled me in my mind and in my will and my emotions to make choices for righteousness because I was no longer enslaved to sin. This is new birth, beloved. This is new birth that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. He who has died has been freed from sin. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. I must have said who the Son sets free is free indeed. I must have said that out of my mouth 10,000 times. Because I needed to bring my mind into agreement with the truth. There was a truth that was mine that I did not believe. So I had to agree with what the scripture said so that my mind could be transformed by the power of the word and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Do you see how that works? Now watch what he does with this. He says, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, he dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, everything that Jesus did in the resurrection, he's about to tell you, this is yours now. Likewise. Anybody makes this interesting statement. He says, reckon yourself. Reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me tell you something. I think one of the biggest uh, inhibitors of us walking in the power of new life is our passivity with the truth of the word of God. There's a clear component and in a clear urging of scripture that we are to apprehend, we are to agree, we are to reckon ourselves, we are to consider ourselves in Christ, dead to sin and alive to God. There is a, a, a piece of us sort of having to grab ourselves by the neck and saying, this is truth and that's a lie. Don't believe the lie, believe the truth. 
there's a piece of reckoning. And you may have to reckon 10,000 times a year. I had to do a lot of reckoning. See, the deeper you go into training your flesh into sin, the more you have to reckon your flesh right out of it. Because wow. my impulse is to sin were everything for me. Okay? I lived a life giving myself to sin constantly. All I did was sin. I was a good sinner. I'm good at that. Do whatever I want all the time? Sweet. I can do sin effortlessly without Jesus. Now in Jesus, when I sin, there's this, I go, whoa, I am bad at sinning. I'm the worst sinner now. Whenever I sin, I come in confessing to everybody. It's just, it's, it's awkward. I go, guys, I have to confess. Oh man, I said this to my wife. Oh, it was horrible. Please forgive me. I do it on Sunday morning. I tell stories of myself about how I've sinned because I'm terrible at sinning and it feels so bad. I just want to get it out. It's personal therapy. He says, reckon yourselves, consider yourselves. Jeff and I were talking about this passage earlier. He said, this is like an accounting term. It's like a, a term that was used when they would reconcile a ledger, which is interesting because I came in today and you were reconciling a ledger. It's funny. When they reconcile a ledger, what they're saying is, what it's saying is add it all up and then come to the sum that you are dead to sin. Do it over and over and over and over again. What we want to do is sit in the passivity of, of, you know, Jesus has already done this on the cross and therefore I'll never have a temptation ever again. And so, you know, just, God, just make me be righteous. No, he says, no, I've actually given you power to be dead to sin. Now reckon yourself also dead to sin and alive to God. And, and he explains how to do that. He says, reckon yourself to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body. I go, wait, you're telling me that you've done something inside of me that enables me to not allow sin to reign. He goes, absolutely. You have the power by the Holy Spirit on the inside to apprehend your mind, your will, and your emotions and make choices for righteousness now instead of for wickedness. This is new birth. This is new birth. You can choose righteousness, whereas before you could not. People go, well, I saw a guy, you know, and, and he, he made real changes in his life, and he didn't serve Jesus, you know, and, and here's what I always watch. The guy, you know, he, he did all the meditation or whatever, and the next thing you know, he, he, he got himself, you know, let's say free from drugs or something like that. Yeah, he got himself free from drugs, but he's still a slave of anger, hatred, selfish ambition. You see what I'm saying? Like, you, you, you just trade bondages when you're outside of Jesus. Or you got yourself free and you're just so puffed in pride. You're just so full of yourself. The greatest sin of all, believing that you don't need God. He goes, reckon yourself to be dead to sin, alive to God. Therefore, verse 12, he goes, don't let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it. This is the power of the new birth. You don't have to. You don't have to. I thank God that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, that when we sin, we can ask, we can repent and ask for forgiveness, and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness I, and sets us right back in perfect union with the Father. I love that. I'm so grateful for that. But I'm also so grateful that I don't have to do everything I used to do. I don't. 
there's all sorts of things, all sorts of mentalities, all sorts of, you know, hangups and bondages that I used to have that I don't do anymore because I don't have to because I'm not a slave to that anymore. I have power in my spirit that's changed my mind, my will, and my emotions. This is new birth. This is new creation. He goes, verse 13, He's giving us step by step. Don't present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. Guys, I have to call this. It's 1037. Don't present yourself as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. He goes, present yourself as an instrument of righteousness to God. When the temptation's coming, when the enemy's coming, when you feel that inclination to begin to judge inside or do something in the flesh that you know is unrighteous, what are you to do? Present yourself to God. That's what he says. Don't present yourself to the sin. The temptation comes. We go, man, I want to really do that bad thing. He goes, in that moment, you have power by the Holy Spirit to present yourself to God. He says, there's no sin that has overtaken you that's not common to man, that with every temptation that comes, God provides a way of escape. That's the glory of the new birth. You're not enslaved. You're not shackled. You're not bound to sin anymore. You can live free. Last thoughts. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Oh, beloved, what if the church, what if the church looked like what the Bible says we're to look like? What if the church was a people living with the glory of God, manifesting through our words, through our thoughts, through our actions, through our minds, and sin had no authority over us? Oh, that's where the church is going. That's what he's taking the church to. We will be a bride who's, who's brilliant in glory with white righteousness, gowns of righteousness. We will be so glorious. He's taking us to this place. And I would just tell you, I am jealous for this, that we would truly have new creation. We truly have new birth and we would live in the identity of it. I've just scratched the surface. Let's stand. Let's just, let's just set our hearts before the Lord just for a moment. I just, I just want to give us an opportunity. I have to close quickly because the traffic in between the services. But let's just take a moment. Just close your eyes just for a moment. I'm describing the new birth. I'm describing your identity as a new creation. If you're, if you're standing there and you're saying, I've never reckoned myself dead I've never, I've never said yes to the fact that he died and I died. I want to invite you in right now to Jesus' death so you can step into his resurrection. Just take a moment, just before, your, before the Lord right now, before we leave, just consider that. Have you ever reckoned yourself dead? Have you ever said, I died with him on the cross? because it's very possible you're trying to bring the old man with you into new life and it just doesn't work that way. If you'd say, I need new birth. I need to accept that when he was crucified, I was crucified. 
I need the new creation. If you'd say, that's me this morning, I wanna pray for you. If you'd say, that's me, I want you just to raise your hand all over the room. You say, I need new birth. I see your hand, 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 I see your hand. Hands all over this room, all over this room. Let's all pray this together. Say, Jesus Christ, I see you. I see you on the cross. I see you dying for me. And in your death, I die. I choose to accept that. I die with you on the cross. And Jesus, you've been raised. And I choose to accept that I'm raised with you. I ask you now, give me new life. Give me new birth. Fill me with glory. Come, make your home in me. Your Father and you, by the Spirit, in my spirit, I want new life. I turn away from the old and I turn to the new. I thank you. I receive it now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise.